AA or the things that we by chance can be the body material you'll win this week. So this is Ted. I know that's what you want to call it, but that's what I said. So I also want to say thank you to our youth pastor for stepping up and being content to help lead the Sabbath Sunday breakfast service. We've been uh, doing Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start a series in Colossians today. And uh, so very appropriate that John started the church morning. But as we begin, I, I want to say to you that I will never forget the day that Christ rescued my father. I've shared with you often that my father was abusive. One of the earliest memories I have, I was born in Fort Arthur, Texas, and we had a home there. And I remember being in a corner of our living room and, and uh, just yelling, no, Daddy, no. Uh, she had a knife, and my mom had a little wooden desk uh, chair, and she was standing behind us holding that just like a thunder cloud by her eyes. And just numerous, it was creepy, uh, numerous times. And Dad said, Daddy, I really don't want to be your father. Physical abuse, but also the verbal abuse. Kept him in the second He was also an adult for us. I can remember uh, our father pursuing relationships with other women, and we found out even more once my mom and dad separated. But I can remember one time uh, going to see Police Academy when I was probably in eighth grade uh, with my father and our two high school girls that were just getting into the world. And uh, I remember being upset with them. I had to tell my mom about those things. My father was a thief. Uh, he stole some concrete. My mom found his other stuff, but concrete was plenty. praying for a long time, God's son, God's blessing, and I'm just telling you, friends, God is capable of it, and I will forever be grateful for what Christ has done in you, and what God has done to rescue my father. How many of you will never forget the day Christ rescued you? The last we share about the Apostle Paul, he can never forget who he was before the cross, and who he was after the cross. He never forgot who he was. In his own words, this is what Paul said. I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and henchman of Satan. I persecuted the church of God violently and tried to destroy it. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my father, and as the sons of all that were called, I was the foremost of sinners. This is what Paul says. You want to know who I was? This is who I was. He then says that he is so happy for it. I received mercy. The grace of our Lord overflowed for me with faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Christ Jesus came into the Paul contemplates all these things, he just begins to praise, and he says, to the king of angels, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. So you see, after he contemplated who he was, and then what Christ did for him, he just couldn't help but praise. He couldn't contain the praise, it just flowed right out as he was living his eternal life, saying to the king of angels, the immortal, invisible, only God, be honor and glory forever. As we open Thank you. 
ways that God has qualified us to share in his ministry, that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness. He's transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, and we, we have rejoiced in that the goodness of him. How many of you know you don't want to have a negative in that you're hiding in your cross? We don't have that. We'll be a person. We long to be grateful for what he's done. And so Paul in this passage is thankful. And I wonder this morning, are we thankful for the gospel? I wonder how often in our faith we're thanking God for the advance of the gospel and we're telling these things to the church over. I wonder how often we thank God for seeing the fruit of the gospel being there. I wonder where Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God for salvation Dear, 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 dear,
and he says, the person who's driving is a great friend, fellow in Jesus, his mother is from Paul, and that Paul is an what? A pastor, an apostle, right? What does he say? It's an apostle, right? It's spoken for, isn't it? So, what is an apostle? The word apostle means sent one. What's the word apostle mean? Good. He's a sent one. And of course, it's a position. You know that the 12 disciples, except for one of them, became apostles. So there's no giving up to Judas, who you just heard Judas, but the other 11 disciples became apostles. And they had a special role and a special function. But above all else, they were the sent ones of Paul. And so this man of Paul was an apostle. And who became the apostle of? Christ Jesus. He's the sent one of Christ Jesus. So as we look, he's Christ's ambassador. He's Christ's emissary. He goes with a message from Christ. And he tells us how this came about. Was it a campaign that Paul runs? Was it a robbery he runs? Do you remember what Amos runs before he was a prophet? Does anyone remember what he runs? He's a fig picker. He's a fig picker. He was out picking figs one day, and God's got, got a word for you. He's like, what? I'm just picking figs, you know? And so he says, I, I, I do this. I'm a farmer. I'm an engineer. Pick them. And God has a message that he wants to give to you. He's Peter, and he puts his beloved one in his journal. And you know that Paul was living in Nicaragua when Paul got knocked off the donkey one day, right? And Jesus stops him and he says, instead of persecuting me, I want you to work for me. I want you to be my mouthpiece to the Gentiles and to go by the will of God. That's what this one says. So Paul, we know that the 12 is from Paul. We know that he was an apostle. In case you don't know Paul, and you see I was talking about this former man named Paul, God transformed him through the gospel. He became Paul. So we see that he was with someone. Who was with Paul? Verse 1. Who was it? Timothy. Good. And what do we learn about Timothy? He's our brother, right? He's our brother. So we see that Timothy is with him. And then five of Paul's letters he opens with Paul and Timothy. Paul and Timothy together. And they do positive epistles. How many epistles does Paul write in the New Testament? Thirteen. Good. Thirteen. Thirteen of them. And I think I should know this. Because I've done this Sunday night class. Let's see how Greek Michael does. So...
Father, and they give them prison, and they begin to sing. They begin to sing an earthquake of praise, and the jailer comes to Christ. So we see these incredible uh, pictures. And then the other thing is that man who dances, it's not like others can dance, right? He's content with the musical opportunities. I wonder whether if I were in prison, if I would do the same, or I'd be one of those pirates who's singing along to his own dance. Corey, uh, on the street, if you've been in prison, you got legal rights. Your life didn't matter. You walk Peter out, and you can't even tell who took your prisoner from. You can't tell anybody that. You know, whether we do Paul is in prison, So let's call right this Hebrews letter Q, H-Q, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ at Colossae. Let's do Colossae. Who knows where Colossae is? How many of you went on your honeymoon to Colossae? How many of you have taken a trip with uh, the guy from Zachary to Colossae? Anybody? Wayne Barnes has done some trips all over, right? Most of us have never been there because no one has been there. But there's an Elisha Battalion, three pages in modern-day Turkey. Set aside, no one will see him. He disarmed the 
privilege and authority from putting the open flame of piety over them in him. So we have been in this conversation uh, talking about these other rulers and authorities. I just want to remind them Christ has done all of them extra. Christ is victorious in Catholicism. And then one last reason why it's characteristic in chapter 3, verses 3 and 4. It says, For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ gives your life to you, then you also will be created in your glory. Now, isn't that what we all need to be reminded of? You have died, and your life is hidden in Christ. Right? Uh, hidden with Christ in God. And so our identity, as we believe it, as Christ says, is hidden.
praying that he would send the sword and put it in the hands of the enemy. In fact, I think it's in that very condition that he is at odds with them that they can draw out of him. And uh, this is what we have in our passage. The Colossians learned the gospel from the pastor. He gives them the gospel from the pastor. The Colossians learned the gospel from the pastor. He gives them the gospel from the pastor. So it's not that they don't speak well, but they can be flippant with the gospel of God. He said that it was from the pastor. That's one two. So he's going to emphasize uh, in verse 6 that the Lord Jesus is the grace of God in the flesh. What did he understand? The grace of God in the flesh. That was a key phrase for the whole book. As it says, don't be deceived by the devil arguing. You have learned the grace of God in the flesh. The pastor says, I'm faithful to that aspect. And so he says, we have to have the fruit of what the pastor emphasized that the gospel is an ongoing. Now, here's the incredible thing about sometimes what happens in the Southern Baptist We'll have the, uh, uh, the power train come in and do a busy thing, and we'll go through the door and we'll knock on the door, and once people pray and ask Jesus in their hearts, and sometimes what happens is they stop responding. I love that Paul doesn't just stop and say, I'm grateful you guys got power. Paul says, I'm not only grateful, I pray for your power. I pray for your power. Friends, we don't stop when the power comes. Now you pray even more intensely. So here Paul begins his instruction in verse 9. I'm grateful you gave me victory. Now speak the truth to me. I love it because this is the second thing he does. He continues asking us to speak the word to him. So we're grateful for what he's done, but we're sad he wants to do it. He sees it multiplied. And he's doing his part for him. He continues. But here's what Paul asks God to do. He asks them to fill the Colossians with the knowledge of his will, which is upon them, so as to the daily labor of the gospel to proclaim asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So here's what Paul is saying. This will be good for you to pray for your family, good for you to pray for your church family, good for you to pray for me, pray that God would fill us with the knowledge of his will. And that's when you obtain the knowledge of his will, it doesn't fill up your heart, it gets you ready to have your heart because from God rains down the knowledge of his will. God, you grant it. God, you increase us in the knowledge of his will. And when that happens, it looks like this. Now, I think it's a little tempting to stop right there and just stop right there and say, you know what I want you to do? 
when you give thanks to someone who calls on you to share and then there's a testimony in there. And the reason that's key is because Paul is writing to a Gentile audience and that's what they're eventually going to hear. The sharing of the gospel message. And Paul says, remember
Thank you. 